0: after we had gone through Malachi and what we had talked about the last time we met together about, you know, some things that are going on in society right now. But what God laid on my heart is something that, well, first of all, a couple things. I hear a lot of people, especially when I... uh Look around YouTube and even locally at what's going on in the quote unquote Christian community here. And you go to the Christian bookstores or you go online, you find out a vast majority of books are all about how do we know God? And I, uh, what exactly are we to do for Him? And there's all these, uh, you know, so-called uh, principles and teachings on uh, you know on knowing the will of God for your life that, by and large, are unbiblical and just focused on worldly wisdom. They have to do on prayer circles, prayer labyrinths, journaling, being you know quiet before God so you can hear Him. And not focused upon just what the Bible simply teaches. So, with that, if you would turn to Romans chapter 12, we're going to see God's own instruction on what He wants from us and how to fulfill our purpose for being here. I want to say a few things about Romans. If you take the book of Romans, you'll find that in the first 11 chapters, there is such rich theology, it touches on many of the most vital doctrines of our faith you know, the doctrine of redemption, the doctrine of atonement, the doctrine of justification, the doctrine of imputed righteousness, the doctrine, it touches on or or explains very fully these things, among others, his promise of eternal life, the promise of our salvation through faith alone, in Christ alone, in his finished work, Doctrine of the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit's work and ministry in our lives. And he gives us this, after giving us all this rich theology, he comes to chapter 12. And he starts out chapter 12 with this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God Now stop there for a moment and just do a quick overview. What I mean by that, if we if we read this and we're gonna we're gonna study this out and dive into this, we're gonna see that the Christian life and what God wants of us are simple. First of all, because He has already saved us, because He has already shed such abundant grace and mercies upon us, we are to Dedicate our whole life to him, and part of that is living for him righteously and in holiness. And how are we able to do that? By having our minds renewed by the power of his written word. This is impossible for those that are unredeemed. It is only possible. You must be regenerated first. You know, we, in the, you know, reform camp, but really it Calvinist, reformed, uh, but really, I like the word that I heard several years ago someone used, biblicist. Those of us that follow directly the teachings of the Bible and study it out, we're sometimes accused when we say things like that It's by the redeemed, and only the redeemed can live holy and righteously before God, and pleasingly and acceptably before God. Why do I say that? Because all those promises are only written to already the redeemed. Remember, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, only the redeemed are called brethren, by Paul or any of the apostles, by God himself, only brethren. Because you must you, to be spiritually discerned, you must be spiritually born and you're only spiritually born by the regenerating power of God through faith in Christ. Amen? Okay, so let's uh, let's first just break this down. I beseech you, therefore. Okay, so first of all, therefore. Right, everything they went before, but I want to focus on a few things and how this is written out. Beseech. So first, remember he's asking them to live... To for to be a living sacrifice and to live holily and acceptably unto God, right? Tur- he he instructed, really commanded it as an apostle commanded this same thing in Romans chapter six, two different times. Go to Romans chapter six real quick, starting in verse twelve. Romans six twelve. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members, you know, your, your body, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Same thing, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Go to verse not 18 being then made free from sin, remember the penalty of sin, but also something we forget about, the power of sin. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. But when he gets to chapter 12, he uses the word, after those instructions, then he uses the word, I beseech. So something I recommend to anybody you really want to be a good student of the word and really built up, instead of buying all kinds of different books, have your Bible, and I do highly recommend the King James, but not because I'm a King James onlyist, but and get a good Strong's Concordance. Because all the work's done for you already. Look up that word in the Greek, beseech. Here's what you'll find. It means to invite, to invite, Invoke, to implore, by exhortation or consolation, to call for, be of good comfort, desire, give, entreat, pray. So you can kind of say it this way, right? The English language now is so, you know, when you read this, we can kind of lose this. I put it this way. As a loving father and shepherd would plead with his people, even though he has the power to instruct them as an apostle of Christ. And he did back in chapter 6. He lovingly implores them and invites them. Lovingly, you know, calls for, pleads with them, entreats them that because of Of the mercies of God that they present themselves a living sacrifice. Now, what does he mean? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Well, I'll just cover these, and, and this is rather deep. If we look, if we went back through the chapters in Romans leading up to this, that's what he's talking about. You know, by the mercies. Because of, on account of, the mercies of God, right? Well, because of the mercies of God that he shed upon us, that he's done for us. Okay, let's look. What are those mercies that he has discussed already in the book of Romans? Though we were sinners and his enemies, he redeemed us through faith in the atoning work of Christ his Son on the cross, he has justified us in Christ. He has demonstrated his great love for us, that though we, when we were enemies, he sent his sons to pay for our sins by his death. He has imputed righteousness unto us through his Son. He promises eternal life. He has justified us through his Son. He has given us the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us according to his will and promises that everything works out together, everything in our lives, for our good, according to his purpose, those of us that are his children. He has adopted us as children. Therefore, we are his children. And he tells us plainly we're joint heirs with Christ. He has decreed and promised to conform us to the image of his son and he did all of this because he set his love upon us and because of his grace he called us justified us and promises to glorify us because of all these things not to earn god's favor not to earn it, not to earn salvation, because man cannot do that. If man could not do that, he would have not had to send his son. And his son would have not had to offer himself up as a sacrifice and be crushed by the Father for our sin. So because he has saved us, because he has regenerated us, because his son died for us, We are to live holy and acceptably before Him, <clears throat> and that that idea of presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable and to God. If anyone here has something besides a, one of the old versions, I mean, prior, early 1900s, it probably, it more than likely, says something to the effect, first of all, I urge you, which I showed you, that kind of weakens it, right? I urge you, right? He more, he entreats them, he implores them lovingly to present their bodies. But it finishes up, sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, something to that effect. It kind of takes it out, because that's part of what service means, is our worship and divine service for him. That is the service we are to give him. What does he mean by reasonable service? Simply, and this is exactly word for word what it says in the concordance, this is what the Greek word means, what is rational, logical, of the word. So in other words, according to the word of God, because of his mercies, according to the teaching, according to God's character, according to everything he has said in his word, everything he instructs, everything he has done, it is only rational and logical that we live our lives For him. I recently listened to what was considered a sermon at one of the local churches in town. That also, like we are doing, records their sermons. And unfortunately, it's one I watched because we had some people that attended here. And for various reasons, they left. And they're attending this church. As was a shepherd, you know, we sometimes watch those churches, that especially ones that we know other people that maybe they come and go or whatever, check it out, and they preached on this very same verse, the two verses. It was the most, one of the most confusing, unedifying teachings I had ever heard. At the end, I was beside myself. I was like, he didn't say anything. It, part of it, I do believe, is because when they have that spiritual service of worship, they kind of mess it up, and somehow we divorce into saying he's talking only about you know, our service unto God and how we pray. And that. Well, it's a lot more than that. What he's talking about is our entire lives, and it begins, right, our bodies of living sacrifice. And part of that you take it back to the Old Testament, a living sacrifice, which was come up, right? The sacrifice for our sin, remember the the, the type of Christ that was set in the old testament, being a type of Christ, would be an innocent, unblemished animal. Right? Then, then 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 would be sacrificed, be the sin sacrifice, right? But they had to be pure. So obviously he's telling us to be pure in living pure in thought, peer. righteous and only, this guy didn't mention that once, didn't touch in it, whatever, I just can't believe it. and the thing that really got me was, he said this is his favorite verse, his favorite two verses in all the scripture, he started out saying Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I said, I find that hard to believe, because he couldn't even explain, he couldn't even explain what it meant to him, but it's very important, It's very important because, well, I'm going to go on. I want to say one other thing too. On the flip side of it being the only rational, logical answer to all the mercies of God that he's bestowed upon us in Christ to serve him with all our being, right, goes back to the commandments, right? What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God, love thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does that mean? With all of our being. So it obviously doesn't have to just do with our praying and our singing unto him. And that's important. But we better be endeavoring. You know, we we'll won't be perfect this side of life, but don't let, let us keep us from endeavoring to live as holy and righteously we can, praying and leaning upon the graces He has provided for us, His Holy Spirit, His Word, other brethren, communion, all these things to help us grow and build us up so that we can walk and grow more in holiness and righteousness before Him. So we can be those living sacrifices He called us to be right, in word, in conduct, that's what he's calling for. It defies, it is illogical and irrational not to present ourselves to God in righteousness and holiness. It defies all rational thought not to endeavor to live for him. It defies logic. That's why, you know, as I mentioned, It bothers me when I see the new translations. They translate the word service as spiritual worship of service, which is true. That's what the word service means there. But they erase reasonable. They don't even explain it. It's the only only rational, logical thing to do because of all the mercies God has done for us. He's already saved us. He's promised us eternal life. He's given us His Holy Spirit. His Son has died for us. His Holy Spirit intercedes for us that we walk in the will of God, right? And His purposes be carried out in our lives. He's promised to conform us to the image of His Son. He says, now live for me. It's almost like you're saying, that's all I ask. Lean upon me apply the graces I've given you. That's why he says, I beseech you, right, as a loving father and shepherd. But this goes back, I just want to say that one part, service. You see that why I say that one thing, the way it is in the NASB, uh, I'm thinking other ones come to mind, but almost all new services, right? They have that spiritual service of worship, and I think that messes people up, and I think that kind of messed up, this young man I saw trying to preach and teach through this, and it was just, it just blathered on. Because somehow they divorce, they don't think it also means conduct. It just means, uh, how do I serve God in my tithing, or how do I serve God in my singing, as I said, right? No, it's all of life, right? Our own mind, soul, body, our own strength, our heart. Everything. <clears throat> A living sacrifice. Pure. Just like the Old Testament type. Pure. Pure lives. Because I'll tell you what that word service means in Romans 12, right? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, logical, rational, right? By the word, according to the word, you know, because of all his mercies. Service. That word service. Worship divine service, right? So it's a reasonable service. So what is our act of worship and divine service? to live all our lives for him, everything, including including greatly so our words and actions in our daily in our daily lives. Now, say this is nothing new. First, go to Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. As soon as I can find it here. Here we go, right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13 after giving all these, you know, wise kind of proverbs and teachings and sayings, the Holy Spirit wraps it up with this, right? Remember, remember, the author of all the scripture is God himself. Amen? So he wraps us up by telling us this. So Exodus 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion, the conclusion of the whole matter, right? The end meaning... The goal of all this instruction, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Has God changed? Well, he hasn't. That's what gets me. We talk about it all the time. It's easy believism. It's really sad when, and I remember it was John MacArthur had to put out a book, right? The Lordship of Christ. Because there was a discussion amongst, in Christianity, quote-unquote visible Christianity, whether or not Jesus had to be your Lord. Those of us on the side of MacArthur's, those of us in the Reform, those of us, hopefully so, believe that and say that the scriptures definitely teach, well, yeah. If he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior. Remember, he's always called Jesus. Or when, when both are used together, it's never Savior and Lord, it's Lord and Savior. And by the way, he's everyone's Lord. It's just those that don't submit to him, acknowledge him as such, will never be their Savior. <clears throat> it, but it amazes me, but it's not just there, it's throughout the Old Testament, but I want to touch on some ones where they say, well, you know, that's according to your interpretation. Really? Well, in that one, right, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, this is the whole duty of man. Let me ask you just common sense. Is there any other way to interpret that than what it just says? No logical way, right? Just like I said, when you look at that word reasonable, rational, logical, by the word, according to the word, what the word of God says. That's what that word reasonable means there. Well, let's see. Some people Will that change? Right? We're freed from the law. Of course, we're free from being condemned according to the law in Christ. That's what it means. We're not freed from the law. We're not freed from endeavoring to live righteously and holy before Him. Go to Titus chapter two. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see if you know anything changed in the New Testament. In Titus chapter 2, you know, because those that would argue saying that, well, you know, getting that idea of freed from the law means that, you know, we're not to have him as Lord. We're not supposed to endeavor to live ever more holy and righteous lives. Well, i direct him, direct him to Ecclesiastes, direct him to Romans, direct him to Titus here. Titus chapter 2. Starting in verse 11. For the grace of God, remember that's what it will say, because now it's God's grace. It's all grace. He loves you. doesn't matter how you live. He, he loves you. He has a great plan for your life. So it doesn't matter. He doesn't have to be your Lord. That's the second tier. That's an upper tier Christian. Nonsense. According to our God. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Hallelujah. Amen. Teaching us that. So this grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. That's a you know sound mindedness. Soundly. Righteously and godly in this present world. But the fact, you don't have to turn back to right remember the second part. Of Romans 12, 1 and 2, verse 2 tells us how we, as redeemed children of God, and the only way we accomplish presenting our lives as a living sacrifice and being holy and acceptable for Him. Right? By what? Right? By living soberly. Teaching us that. Teaching. Right? Renewing our minds. But we we are to endeavor to do it. By his grace. You know, so we always talk about balance. You know, you don't just sit there, you know, maybe uh, come to church once in a while, take this book, put it up to your head like this, whew, I got it. But it's all those things, it's the word of God, right? He's given us his Holy Spirit. That's what it means. It's, I beseech you therefore, brethren. It only applies you must be redeemed first. And once He redeems you, and He's given you the Holy Spirit, you've been born again unto new life. Then you are able, because He has given you His Spirit, to spiritually discern these things, to read this Word, through fellowshipping with fellow saints, through prayer, through communion, through what he te- the graces He has given us always and will ever grow his people individually and corporately to conform us to the image of his son, right, to renew our minds so that we can know and prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will. Go to 1 Peter one fifteen, please. We'll see there, well, hey, uh, that's Titus and Romans, but, hmm, 1 Peter one fifteen. I wonder how... What other way I can interpret that? By the way, I'll just say it about Titus too. So, is there any way you can interpret what we read there in Titus two eleven and twelve? Right? There there isn't. I mean, you you literally would would have to make something up, right? There's. I don't even see logically. There's no. There's nothing else to do with it, except oh, obviously the grace of God teaches me to live soberly, righteously, and godly. So I guess that means that sin matters. And how I live my life and what I say and what I do before those that are on the outside matters. And it's 1 Peter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, right? In all manner of conversation. It's the same thing, right? Presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. Which is your logical, rational service. It just bugs in the new translation, the way they left that out. I think it speaks volumes. It's so important, that one word. Reasonable. Right? It is unreasonable not to do this. It immediately dismisses this whole so-called lordship controversy. The only controversy that exists is because they're living worldly and they want to, and they want to justify it somehow. So they twist scripture. Because you don't get that from scripture. Oh, we're freed from the law. We're not condemned, amen, because of Christ. We're not freed from following it. It brings shame in the name of Christ if we do not. Go back to Romans 12, please. Yeah, go ahead. So the question becomes then what is the source of our holiness? What is the source of what you read in the text? And it is what? The law of God. Yep. That's the source. The Holy Spirit lives in us, which allows us to follow the law of God. If you look, can I read this one verse along with what you're saying? Go ahead. Uh, Where we find holiness, where we find justice, we find all the things that the Christian is supposed to live at. But even Paul, if I could just read this in 1 Corinthians, um, chapter 7, listen to what he says. He separates out the ceremonial Mm -hmm. law. And, and the thing about this, this is, as I started and when you came in to reiterate, if anyone, you know, came in later or watching or listening, there's so much out there now, just bad, bad teaching. It's confusing teaching. And maybe some more sincere, my thing is not to call our sincerity or insincerity to question they're just sincerely wrong if they're sincere. You know, there's teaching about how, how do we live for God. What's God's will for my life? Well, I'll tell you, first and foremost, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I would recommend anyone get John McCart- a good book out. I can't remember the exact title of it. But it's about knowing the will of God for your life. I believe that is the title of it. But you want to know what it is? First of all, by and large, it's this, right? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? You need to do that, right? You're redeemed. But now you, now you are his. So do this thing. Dedicate yourself to him. Endeavor to live for him. By the graces, you know, as I previously said, by the graces he's given us. And then live your life. Weigh your actions. Weigh your actions and every action and thing you come upon with this word. Now, you're redeemed. Maybe you don't. They keep saying, like, wait for some kind of voice. Wait for someone of that. I don't know, 35 years. I have never heard him audibly speak to me. There are times that I definitely know he's even interrupted me in certain thoughts in certain places. But that's to answer a particular question that the more you walk with the Lord, you, you understand these things. But don't get sidetracked into looking for something outside of the teaching God himself has given us To lead our lives. He says, just dedicate yourself to me. Because even in Romans back there, what does he say? All things work together for good. Right? The Holy Spirit himself, God himself intercedes for us that his purpose be carried out in all our lives. So we can rest assured that it will be. As long as we're following him and walking with him, endeavoring to walk with him, right? And when we stumble, we go to him, we, we pray in that. But remember he says, the power of God. Within us, let's not deny the power of God, the very power right that saved us, you know, that raised Christ. The very power, right, is that very power we are free from the power of sin, not just its condemnation. But remember, He's given us a new man created in righteousness and true holiness. But we need to put on that new man, and we put off the old man, and we do that through this. I'll touch on this verse number two. Right? How does, and Mike Mike touched on it, the law of God, how does the born-again, adopted child of God do this? How does he accomplish this? How does he grow up? How does he be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God? Verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world... Right? Let us not be conformed. Let us not become part of this world, drugged into this world. And almost all those books, it's, it's philosophical and it's worldly wisdom and that, right? Trying to conform us into the world and trying to get us to understand and know God through our imaginations. Never a good thing. He, that's why he's given us his word and he repeats the same things over and over and over and over and over again. So we don't rely on our imaginations at all. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, metamorphized, completely, completely changed from the old, unsaved, unredeemed man that we were. You know, and ladies, I'm right, speaking, so you, you know, spiritually, right? You know, re- transformed, completely changed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, right, test, No. What is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? And it is by and large through the Word. Because you go back, he explained all these things. Remember, I mentioned by the mercies of God. What's well, one of the great mercies? You know, I've mentioned it before that he said, right? He's given us his Holy Spirit. Romans 5, right? The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost that he gave to us right? Romans 8. The Holy Ghost himself intercedes for us. God himself intercedes for us. God the Spirit intercedes for us with the Father. We don't understand (laughs) how this all works, but we know it does because that's what God tells us to carry out his purpose for us. That's why we know and we can rest upon that all things work together for good because he's in charge. He's in control. But with his Holy Spirit and by his word, right? That power of the word, once we're redeemed, the word has a power in our lives as it comes in to build up that new man which he gave us, right? Created in righteousness and true holiness. And to weaken, to continually weaken the old man, when he talks about the flesh, the old man that's still upon us, which is, Selfish and looking for, looking to fulfill its own desires, and you know, or maybe it's just me. I still struggle, struggle with selfishness once in a while, you know, but that's really what it comes down to. I, I sometimes thought, for me, I kind of simplified, I know this is simplified. But when I look back at sin, I want to give a definition it's a violation of the law of God. That's sin, right? But deeper when we think of what is sin, when I think of it, every time I say, it's some form of selfishness. It, most of it, right? I mean, i it's petty. It's wanting to please my flesh. Please something in my flesh. Whether it be, you know, giving in the thoughts, your know, pride, whatever, right? But he's saying, you want the power to overcome that, to rise above that. You know, it, it'd be so good to go on that, but don't, don't be deceived. Let us not be deceived into thinking that we cannot really live live lives that not just generally are overwhelmingly holy and acceptable unto God. Because that's what He tells us we we can do. You know we can do. It's not that well. It's you know do do we. Endeavor to live for him. Do we pray? Do we fellowship, right? Do we devote ourselves, you know, to his word? And not this worldly meditation. We meditate on the word. Think back, like, myself, praying for this many times, I thought, I beseech beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. When I kept thinking that word reasonable, well, that's really deep. To me, it was. When I just think of it, God himself tells me, Howard, It's irrational and illogical for you. And he knows me. One thing that I... If you ever heard the joke, right? I hate stupid. That's really really what it is. You know, for you not to live for me, to think you don't need to live for me, is being stupid and moronic. It's irrational and illogical not to. It's the only right response to all the mercies he has shown us in Christ. It's the only right response for his children. And... I'll finish up with this. We'll look into more of this. But I'd recommend you go for... Oh, I'll, I'll read this, and then we'll finish up here. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, like in Romans 12, 1. Right? I'll explain, right? He goes into all this deep theology where he touches on many attributes of God, on many doctrines right and that's why he's able to say by the mercies according to the mercies because of all these things God has already done for us and who we are in Christ right live for him right be a, make your body a living sacrifice live all for him well if you go to ephesians read the first 3 chapters he reiterates reiterates a lot of what he did in romans in romans through the first 11 he, he touches on many, many foundational important doctrines of our salvation in Christ, of our absolute certainty of salvation, of, of us being chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, just as Israel was, we are part of the body, right? We, can, we are partakers of all the, of the promises, right? And all promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Amen. But he finishes up, right? And he, he says that, I, I say pay attention to the prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. But first all, I'll say this, after finishing up a lot of doctrine throughout Ephesians, right? He starts off in Ephesians three fourteen. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit, the inner man. Right, I already talked about that back in Romans. Right, He tells us He's given us Christ. Right, the love of God has shed broad in our heart to His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is in your seeds for us. He tells us, read His Word. Right, this is all all linking up back with Romans. He's he always right. God always teaches and tells us teaches us the same things that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend, right? Have our minds renewed, right? So we can prove, so we can know. We can comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Right? His Spirit, God the Spirit, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Okay, again, you add that with everything He taught before. I, therefore, okay, because of everything he's, He explained in the first three chapters, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. There's that same word, I implore you. Like as a father and a shepherd, you know, to His children. Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. It says the same thing. We'll see on this. Best way to know it, we can be filled with what he means by there with a lot of knowledge, but we want to put that knowledge to use. But he's not just talking just knowledge of doctrines, but getting to know God. And the best way to actually know him, right? Read his attributes. Get to know everything he's done for us. But his character is everything else. His loving kindness. His mercy. His graciousness. You know, he, you know, he says because of everything he's done, so the more we concentrate and, and are able to comprehend who God is and who we are. Because remember, he started out in Romans one through three, basically laying down that apart from Christ, we are enemies of God, sinners, worthy of condemnation. But he has provided salvation in Christ for us. Amen. But we need to understand who we are who we really are, right? And we're nothing. You know, even as saved, we're still as creatures. Now we're just born again, saved, redeemed creatures. Right? It's all him. But we owe him everything. You know, I love that song, right? Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be. Because when the more we understand everything he's done for us, is doing for us, and will continue to do for us, and what his plans are for us, it'll make it easier and more able for us to live lives for us, to live lives for him. Amen? Uh, Finish up with that, but does anyone have any comments or questions? All right. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your Son and granting us salvation through him. Through faith in his name, that even faith itself is a gift. You open up our eyes and you open up our hearts. (laughs) You've done everything for us. Father, we ask your blessing we ask and rest upon your promises that you carry out your good purposes in our lives. And Lord, help us and strengthen us that we may live before you and back to the greatest commandment, that we would love you with our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, that that would that would become more and more and more of a living reality in our lives, and that we would love the brethren and continue to grow in those things. That you be glorified and that your name be recognized and praised and admired in this community and throughout the land. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a little break, then. Part-